0: Welcome to the Life Church podcast. We are here to help people experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus. We hope you were blessed with this message, recorded live from Palmerston North, New Zealand. Enjoy. Good morning, Church. Well, I'm so glad that we can be together all across, even when we're in different homes around the city. We're together in spirit, leaning into the word together this morning, so I think that's awesome. Well, welcome from our kitchen, our home. And um, this word that I prepared, I started thinking about it actually a few, a couple of months ago and then just in the last couple of weeks as I was preparing it, I just love how God's timing and that he knows the situations and everything that we're in because this word I feel is so timely for even when we, what we are in right now with lockdown and what's coming up. So I pray that it encourages you, that it blesses you and it brings you um, comfort and courage this morning. So, as a church, we have been looking at the kingdom of God, and our theme this year is Kingdom Come. And one of our number one cultural values here at Life Church is that Jesus is our pursuit. And I just love that as Christ followers, as we pursue Jesus with everything that we have, you see, we want the outcome, the fruit of what his life produced. But in order to get that, I've been understanding and kind of looking and studying into how, observing how did he live his life to be able to produce the um, kind of fruit that he had in his life. And so this morning, I want us to look um, in particular around prayer. And I encourage you, if you don't already, grab a notebook So I want to encourage you to take notes today. And you can grab your Bible and we are going to turn to Matthew 6. And um, we are looking this morning at one of the most well-known prayers um, in our world. And probably, if I dare say so, this most single set of words spoken more often than any other in the history of our world. And that is the Lord's Prayer. So we're jumping into verse 9. Matthew 6, and this is what it says. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So, will you pray with me this morning? God, I thank you for every single person that is watching online right now. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you know them by name. Lord, that you know their story, you know their needs, you know their situation. And God, I pray that as I speak this morning, Lord, you will speak through me. God, that you'll speak to every single situation and person. And Lord, that I'd hear your voice, that their hearts would be open to hearing directly from you today, Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that your living word would transform us, uh, sharpen and change us. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you didn't know, I grew up in a Presbyterian church from around the age of two, and one of the most vivid memories I have is around coming back from Japan around when I was seven. And at that time in my life, um, part of Sunday school was learning how to memorize this very prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And I remember that if we're able to get up and memorise it and then say it fully out loud, that we were able to go into the special prize box and pick out something special. So I just remember as a kid being like, I'm down for that. I'm going to memorise this. And what was really awesome about that is that those words, those prayers, even though I didn't fully understand what it meant, was able to carry carry it with me into into the years as I grew older, that the words, the prayer would come to my mind in different moments and situations. And there's something so beautiful and powerful about memorizing scripture. But I also wanna draw attention to the fact that sometimes because something can be so familiar, That we can actually lose or not understand fully the depth and the richness that can come from that particular verse of prayer so i want to encourage you today if that's you maybe you're like i've heard this prayer a thousand times before and you're thinking about switching off can i encourage you to just stay with me a little longer because i'm praying and i'm believing that god can bring something fresh to you this morning you see when i was able to actually get into the context and the richness of what this verse and this prayer really represents it just brought so much revelation to my life about what prayer means and about this particular prayer, the one that Jesus gives us specific instructions on how to pray. And so we're going to look at the different parts of that prayer this morning, and I just pray that that will bring revelation to you as well. I know that sometimes when something's really familiar, we can um, it can be like an untapped resource because we uh, don't realize that there's actually so much gold in there to mine. And so what um, I studied and the commentaries and the messages that I I listened to around this prayer, I've kind of pulled it all together this morning and um, we're going to do a deep dive into the different meanings of the different words in um, in Hebrew. And um, yeah, let's go on an adventure together this morning to find out what that means. So in Matthew 5, it's the beginning of the classic famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starting to teach about the kingdom of God. And then in Matthew 6, he starts to talk about how to give and how to pray. And this is where we find ourselves. He then talks about prayer in the kingdom. And he gives these very specific instructions. This then is how you should pray. And basically, we don't want to develop our instruction of prayer based only on our experiences. But we want what we believe and what we practice as Christ followers about prayer to grow mostly from an understanding of what our ultimate masterclass in prayer, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 9, uh, not Matthew 9, Matthew 6, 9 to 13, right in the heart of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount says. Tim Keller says, we live in this culture that is starved for deep experience of the soul. There is a vacuum in our lives. We're told we don't need religion, yet we are seeking mystical experiences through all sorts of techniques. But we find we cannot substitute prayer for true intimacy with the infinite. The Lord's Prayer holds a secret to what we seek. In the Gospel of Luke, which is another version or perspective of the story of Jesus preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus puts it in another way, another wording. He says, When you pray, say. And in the Hebrews, they believed that the words weren't just a conversation. But words were a manifestation of who we already were on the inside. Can you see the difference between the two understandings here? So words to them represented to them something that had already been built on the inside into their life. And when the disciples heard Jesus say, when you pray, say, they knew straight away what he meant. He wasn't just saying, pray these exact words. Read it word for word, line for line, tick that prayer off your list, get into a ritual routine. He was saying that these are not just words for you to repeat, but these words are an environment for you to carry. This prayer, these words are not just words, but a manifestation of what you should already be carrying on the inside of you. Jesus is saying that the Lord's Prayer is so powerful That it should be something we're building on the inside of us. And I want you to write that thought down this morning. And we're going to come back to it in just a moment. But we're going to jump back a couple of verses from our main text to the beginning of chapter 6. And at the beginning, like I said, it's talking about how to give. And then it goes into prayer. And in verse 5 it says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling on like pagans. I love that line. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Remember that this prayer is to be living on the inside of us. That what we're building here in the secret place, what this verse is trying to say is what we're building in the unseen is so much more important than what is what it looks like on the outside, how we're sounding on the outside. It's talking about how important it is to go into that secret private place, that that is where the Father wants to reward you. Because what is on the inside of us eventually is going to come out. What we do in private matters, and it comes out in our public life. So we don't want to worry or put so much emphasis on how it's all looking on the outside. But we want to get into that private place. We want to get onto our knees. We want to close that door. And we want to go into that unseen place where the battles are won. Because what we build in secret will come out of us in public. In 2012, it was around the time in my life where I had recently just really gotten to know Jesus. So I'd known about God, known about church from a young age. But it was around 2011 at at a camp that I met Jesus and I began to have a relationship with him. So in 2012, Um, In 2013, around that time in my life, I got asked to be on the youth team and I remember actually walking up to the youth pastor at the time to say no and God really led me to say yes and I'm so thankful because it was such a life-defining year for me. But in the midst of all of that going on, I was asked with a group of friends to help lead the Christian group at at our girls' high. And one afternoon, I walk into the classroom where all these different girls are gathered and we're meeting on a Friday lunchtime. And I realize, as all the eyes turned to me that they were expecting me to stand up and pray because it's something that we did every week, but others had done it. Now, what you need to know is around that time in my life as i just come to know Jesus better, I was so afraid of praying. Specifically, I was so afraid of praying out loud. Prayer meetings were like my worst nightmare. And so in this moment, with all these eyes staring at me, I just realized I've got to pray, I've got no other choice. It's a sink or swim moment, so I chose to swim. And um, I prayed, and you know what I realized? No one got up and was like, Sophie, that was so average. Like, please never pray again. I realized no one really cared how I prayed. But in my mind, I'd made prayer this thing where it had to be holy and spectacular, that my words needed to flow like honey, that it needed to be this most articulate, wonderful thing. And it was so freeing because I had a revelation of understanding that I just needed to simply talk to God. You see, I was afraid because I thought that like in verse 5, that I had to make it like this babbling ritual. And Jesus is actually releasing us from that and saying, no, it's not about that at all. It's not about how you pray. It's all about what is on the inside of you, how you are praying, where are you praying? And so in verse seven, when he says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. I want to encourage you, if you're feeling guilty because you feel like you don't have the words to know what to say, or you're feeling like you don't use enough words, or maybe like you were like me in this moment, feeling inadequate and afraid to even open your mouth to pray because you're not praying long enough, it's not fancy enough, that in this verse, Jesus is giving us the freedom and the truth And saying, when you pray, don't use meaningless repetition. Or like this version says, don't keep babbling. But prayer is really the breath of our soul talking to God. It's not about the word count. So don't allow fear or guilt as we explore this passage a little further to stop you from simply talking and including God in your day-to-day life. From that moment, I remember making my password on my laptop, Woman of Prayer, it's not that anymore. But I remember it was so that every time I typed it out, it was like a declaration of my life, reminding me of who I wanted to be and who I wanted to become. And I had you know, different women in my life at that time who exemplified that type of lifestyle, where they would pray, where they were prayers. And uh, one of them, my current mother-in-law, Mama Douglas, I would see her in her home, praying on her knees, praying with the father. And I saw this beautiful intimacy that she had with him and others would come into the house, they would join her and pray with her. And I remember thinking I could never be like that, that as much as I longed for it, I was like, I was too afraid to pray like that. But then I was so hungry because I could see from the public lives they led, but from the private places that it came from. And I remember thinking, I want that. How do I get that? You know, there was a wisdom and an authority and a peace that I could see in their public lives. And it came from that private place of meeting with God and it not being a show of it not being fancy words, but it just being simply hungry to be in his presence and to meet with him. You see, what we build in secret comes out of us in public. And when we look to the master of prayer, Jesus himself, in Matthew 6, to understand and find out what we believe and what we should practice about prayer, he's pretty much saying it like this to you this morning. He's saying, wouldn't you like to be able to come face to face with the Father and the King of the universe every day? to pour out your heart before him and sense him listening and loving to you. And of course, you would say yes. And Jesus' response to that is that it's all in the Lord's prayer. So I want to look at three parts of the Lord's prayer this morning. The first part, it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I love that because that start, that starting place of the prayer is acknowledging who God is to us, our father. And it's not just my father, it's our father. And when we use the word father, it's knowing that we've been adopted as sons and daughters into his family and that we've got that intimate relationship to be able to call on him and to call him our father. The even more beautiful understanding of this is to know that in the Eastern context of this, of this verse, that the Hebrews would have understood the word Father as my supplier, meaning Jehovah Jarrah who provides, Shalom, my peace, Rapha, my God who heals. They knew the word Father in that context meant supply, the supplier of everything that I need. So when they heard that verse, when they heard that, sorry, those words, our father, our supplier, and then the next words that Jesus says, in heaven. Now, my father who is in heaven, what does that mean? Where is heaven? The word in Hebraic for heavens was actually heavens. And this is important because it means we're not looking for this one defined place out here. Because how do we have this real relationship with the Father who is in a place that we cannot find or get to? But that word heaven comes from the word Uranos, which 90% of Hellenistic literature says that the interpretation of that is the air I breathe, or the word atmosphere, which I love. It's amazing. So what we get when we put it all together is my Father, my supplier of everything that I need, who is is as close to me as the air I breathe. Isn't that beautiful? And then the word hallowed comes from the word and that means to become aware of or to acknowledge. So when we say our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, what that means if we interpret that all in Hebraic is my supplier of everything that I need who is as close to me as the air I breathe, I become aware of you. That's what hallowed means, to become aware of. So can you see what that means? When we link all of that together, we're learning here this morning to get into that secret private place because that's where our public life is built. And once we're there, we don't need these fancy words or lots of words to get across to God. Our Father, our supplier who already knows what we need, And then at the start of that Lord's Prayer, he reiterates it again, the supply of everything you need is closer than you already know. So all we need to do is become aware of it. What's amazing is that the word my supplier is is implying and showing us that this is a supply that already exists. It's not something that through our prayers and our own strength, and our own energy, we're trying to pull God down to where we're at. But no, when we are declaring, God, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, God, my supplier, what we're doing is we are putting ourselves into the flow and the supply of what already exists. So what we need to understand is that this is like, if you can imagine a waterfall, it already is there, and we're not trying to bring the waterfall to us. But we are trying to step into the waterfall, the supply, the flow that already exists. The supply for everything that you need is there. And we move ourselves into God's supply. The second point, the second part of the verse is your kingdom come, your will be done. The Hebrews, they were trained all of their lives to look for this coming Messiah, this coming king. And they were taught that the kingdom of God was a very important part of their prayer life because God was going to send this Messiah who would establish the kingdom. Even in Luke 16, the Pharisees asked Jesus, So where is the kingdom? Is it here? Is it there? Because they were trained to look for the kingdom. But remember, everything Jesus is saying in the Lord's Prayer, everything that we're reading here, they are not to be just words. But they are to represent something that is existing on the inside of us. That's a key for us this morning. So when we pray the words, your kingdom come, these are not just words, but it is actually meaning that there should be a sense of the kingdom so far on the inside of us, that it is a part of us. Let me ask you a question this morning. How much do you carry the kingdom of God in here, in your heart? I'm not talking about the knowledge of the kingdom of God in your head or some compartment of your life where you go to church on Sunday and then lock them away for the rest of the week. No, I'm talking about the reality of the kingdom of God living within you, in your heart. Because Jesus is saying here, live in such a way that the kingdom of God is in the inside of you. This prayer, the Lord's Prayer is meant to be from deep within us, living in such a way that it brings kingdom reality to wherever we go. And this kind of deep within prayer, you see it impacts all the life decisions we'll ever make. From who we'll marry, our relationships, how we raise our kids, the careers we're gonna have, this kingdom mindset changes us from the inside out and it's asking God to extend his kingdom power over every single part of our lives from our emotions to our desires to our thoughts to our commitments when Zion and I first got married we were living on the street um called Miller Street and we had this small home with this very tiny lounge And we loved having the youth and youth leaders over. And I remember every Friday night, we would pile them in into our lounge. And, you know, it got to a point where we had youth leaders and people sitting on top of each other. So one night I just realized, God, we've got to do something about this. So I started to pray. You know, I wanted to be kingdom-minded in the next home that we were looking for. So I started to pray for a lounge that was big enough for all of the youth all of our leaders and the young adults in our lives and the answer to that prayer was the next time we had at Cecil Place and I kid you not had the biggest lounge ever and that was a year that followed of uh, the youth girls coming over on Friday night for life group young adults on Sunday evenings and it was a huge blessing to us for the years that we were able to live there you see when you build your life around the kingdom God delights in providing because the words kingdom come, the prayer kingdom comes to mean, means to be living with the kingdom so deep within you that it comes out in the decisions that you make in the way that you live your life. Romans 14, 17 to 19 puts it like this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. It's saying here in this verse, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And Jesus is saying that these things manifest in your life where the kingdom is. Righteousness, peace, and joy are to be built into our spirit. We can step into it, And we can step out of it. So, when we pray your kingdom come, in those last words, your will be done. It's saying our responsibility is to bring heaven on earth and the kingdom power into the environments that we walk into and the decisions that we make. I hope that's making sense this morning. Thirdly, our next line, give us today our daily bread. You see, bread... It represented to to the Hebrews the manna, you know, the stories they'd grown up with their lives, knowing about what God had brought them through, through um, out of Egypt, into the promised land, the 40 years in the wilderness, and how God provided for them with manna every day, this bread. And so to the disciples, what did that mean? It meant daily deliverance. Now we know that the daily bread of life is who we have in Jesus. But again, the Eastern context is that mana was definitely well understood. So when Jesus talked about it, they got it straight away. It was what had sustained the ancestors on the journey to the promised land. And it was that daily provision they got from God. And you see, the background story to mana is that it had to be collected fresh every single day, or it would rot if it was held onto for the next day. And the symbolism for us as we pray this prayer is that we too need the bread of life, that is Jesus, daily and to, and to receive from God fresh revelation, fresh word, fresh manner, fresh bread every day. And this exciting truth, if you don't know already, is that we can always hear from him and that he wants to speak to us, that God delights in our presence and in us coming to Him and listening and leaning into His voice. That there is something each and every day for us to gather from Him. You so you see the seeds of manna would have been collected by the people, but then it would need to have gone through a process before it could be eaten. They would take those seeds, they'd grind it up for mortar and a pestle, see no neutrabellets back then, and Just like they had to process it and grind it up before it could be eaten, we too need to take the revelation, the seeds, and we need to then process it. How do we process it? We are to meditate on the word. We are to sit on the word and to chew on it. So that's for our daily bread. This is about you and I, our own intimate relationship with the Father and receiving fresh word, fresh hearing his voice every day. But now I'll say this about church on Sunday. In the Old Testament, they feasted on what was called showbread manna once a week. And this was a special kind of bread because it had to be eaten in community. So you see, we need our daily bread manna and our weekly gathering to take manna together. So that is what you and I are doing right now. Even though we physically can't be together, all across in our homes, you know, united by Holy Spirit, as we lean into this word together, we are feasting on showbread mana together right now. But you know, the showbread manna, it meant nothing without the daily bread. Because the reality is, if all we lived for was our Sunday showbread, we would be weak and starving by Sunday. And so that's why in this prayer, that daily bread give us our daily bread is so important. And it reminds us to get to go to God for that fresh um, revelation, the fresh, um, what was the word? Provision every single day from him. Amen. Now, I pray that as we've explored this, I know there's more to the verse, but with my time running out this morning, I would love for you to read it. Go study it for yourself, what the rest of the prayer uh, says. But my hope is that that has encouraged you this morning to know that God's supply is always there and that what we are required to do is not to pull God down with our fancy words, but to simply move into the supply that he already has for us, to be aware of his presence in our lives, to include him in our day-to-day and to go to him for fresh revelation in the word. And maybe right now you're faced with many things that you're feeling like, I can't do this on my own. There's the hard things of the world. There's the worries of your day. And there's the dreams of your heart or there's the battles that you're facing for yourself or the others in your world. And I want you to know that he's here and he's listening and that his supply is available to you right now. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can comment, subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information, visit us at lifechurchpn.co.nz.